This is Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics. In this weekly show, the Husker Online team will give you the latest insight on Husker football, basketball, baseball, and of course, recruiting. Now, here's your host, Husker Online publisher, Sean Callahan. Hello here and welcome again to another edition of the Husker Online show. Sean Callahan, Robin Washett, as uh, we are bringing you through the month of May. It's opening headlines a lot to talk about, a lot to discuss. Um, Nebraska added their 13th transfer portal addition to their roster over the weekend. Alabama safety Kane Williams uh, officially on board uh, with Nebraska, Louisiana native from Moreno, four-star recruit, was only in Tuscaloosa for one year, um, left after redshirting last year. So he's a four to play four. Not really a position of need, Robin, but I think when you look at the portal um, at times, you have to say, look, is this a guy that's just going to make our team better? We're going to make room for him. And clearly that was the case. Um, he's now the eighth scholarship defensive back Nebraska has added to their roster for 2022. There's now 17 scholarship defensive backs, Robin, on this football team heading into the season. So, I mean, we talked about this, I think, last week when uh, we were discussing him coming in for a visit. Uh, yeah, you wouldn't think on paper it was a position in need, but you just got to wonder. I mean, the fact that they brought him in for a visit and then took his commitment, uh, you know, what does that mean as far as how the staff felt about what they had at safety coming out of the spring and um, certainly with his size you know you can play him in a lot of different spots um, you know so there's potential versatility there so uh, it, it makes sense if you consider the fact that you know maybe they weren't exactly thrilled with uh, what they saw from that group uh, as far as replacing two longtime starters uh, you know coming out of the spring so adding Kane Williams certainly increases that competition even more and uh, you know if, if you can get a player of that caliber or someone that you foresee being that that talented of player um, I don't think you hesitate especially if you have the ability to make room for him you're listening here to the Husker online show and you look at safety Robin for Nebraska right now Miles Farmer Marquise Buford really the top two guys but I think the discussion is do they have Who's the guy after? I mean, is it Noah Polgates? Is it Isaac Gifford? Is it uh, Singleton um, from the junior college ranks? Um, there are so many unknowns. Could Omar Brown be a safety or a corner? And that's where I think the decision with Kane Williams came into play, that they looked at his size at 6'2", and um, the brand of football he plays, and they said, look, we're just going to make it work with this guy, and uh, we're, we're taking him on our team. And his teammate, Stefan Wynn, the defensive lineman from Alabama, um, was also here, and I did find it interesting. You know, you would kind of think, oh, these guys are kind of lockstep and sync together. They're kind of a package deal. Uh, Kane Williams told our own Brian Munson of HuskerOnline.com he did not even know that win was coming in this weekend uh, for the visit. So um, that was an interesting nugget Brian had. You kind of thought, oh, maybe these guys are kind of working together. Um, Stefan Wynn is definitely kind of doing his own thing. Um, visited Georgia Tech. I know Texas Tech's in the picture as well. And then there's Nebraska. Now you talk about transfer portal. Nebraska's added 13. Georgia Tech, Robin, has added 15 guys from the transfer portal, wow. including 12 from the Power Five. Jeez, that's almost pushing Michigan State territory like last year. pushing Nebraska basketball yeah. numbers. <laughs> yeah, so uh, I know there was a lot of questions you know, obviously, after Williams committed with with Win visiting as well, did we have an idea of well, what that 
that timeline looks like? Um, I mean, did you, you get any sense about if he's close to a decision or anything like that? No. I mean, nobody really, I think, has a very good feel of what he's going to do. I, I think Nebraska, even after the weekend, didn't have a good idea of um, what, what was going to happen, you know, like as far as, um, you know, his decision and his NIL weighing into his thoughts, his playing time. Um, what is he really looking for? Um, with this ultimate decision. So we'll see where it all goes with Stefan Wynn, um, but there's no doubt they want him. In the meantime, Taylor Lewis, um, a defensive lineman out of College of the Canyons in California, um, he was offered by Nebraska this week. I think the debate is, is it a firm offer or is it just kind of an offer to make sure they have a, a seat at the table in case it got to that point? Because I know um, Lewis would like to visit Nebraska. He told me on Monday, ideally May 27th. Well, on Wednesday, he set up a visit to Oregon State for May 27th. Um, so right now, it doesn't look like um, you know he, he's got something on the table from Nebraska. It almost feels like a plan B. So we'll see kind of where it goes. Uh, a lot will depend, I think, on Stefan Wynn. Yeah. So, I mean, I guess that's kind of just wait-and-see mode right now if we don't really know when he's going to decide and at least they have a plan B potentially currently, or at least for now, uh, on the table. But, you know, there was another, speaking of transfers, you had some other transfer news, uh, to keep an eye on, uh, going forward this week on the offensive side of the ball. Yeah. You look at, uh, the offensive side of the ball, Marcus Washington, a Texas wide receiver is going to be visiting Nebraska this weekend as an official visitor. And this is really big in the sense that, uh, it feels like Casey Thompson. You know, he's mm-hmm. playing a big part in in this uh, situation for Nebraska, bringing him in uh, originally from Trinity Catholic in St. Louis. Uh, Nebraska recruited him in high school. He visited here as a high school recruit, so he's very familiar with Nebraska from that sense. Uh, committed to Texas though. The week after he visited Nebraska, he's a two to play two. Um, he's played three years at Texas though. One of those was a COVID year. He could redshirt um, technically if he wants to as well. Um, but he'll be coming in. He was at Purdue, and he'll be in Lincoln this weekend. I was able to confirm that with two sources here this week, and we'll see where that one goes. He has not really uh, got into discussing the recruiting process of where things are at, but no doubt Marcus Washington um, it almost feels like a, a Xavier Betts replacement. Yeah, I was going to say, if you talk about you know, positions of need, I probably put wide receiver towards the bottom of uh, Nebraska's priority list. But, I mean, what, what, what do you think that says? Do you think it's a direct fill-in uh, Xavier Betts' spot? Or is it has more to do with this guy being a really good player and also maybe uh, you know, them wanting a little bit more in that receiver room? Yeah, it's hard to read other than it's, it's just um, a guy that, you know they they see that can help this football team and and they wanna they wanna bring him in as a receiver another option is he a number one no but I think he's a really really good number two wide receiver option yeah and that that chemistry with uh, the quarterback certainly can't be overlooked there you're listening here to the Husker Online Show and uh, Nebraska will also have some key high school recruits in town this weekend um, coming in for Nebraska um, you, you'll see um, a couple of guys. Highly ranked from Kansas and Missouri. Three guys total will be in. Um, you know, first with Caden Green. He's the top player in high school. Nebraska is currently recruiting uh, offensive lineman at 6'5, 3'10. Then you'll have Jaden Doss, a wide receiver, 
out of the Kansas City area as well from Raymore Peculiar High School. Five, um, he's a high three-star. And then Dylan Edwards, the Gatorade Kansas Player of the Year in the state of Kansas, will be here as well. So three pretty high-value official visitors, arguably one of the top receivers, the top offensive linemen, and top running backs in the region will be here this weekend along with Marcus Washington. I know there was some question, too, obviously with the the, the two guys they brought in last weekend and some of the efforts they've been making um, you know, within that 500-mile radius, just the, the impact of the, the new staff on recruiting, you know, particularly Mickey Joseph, Bill Bush. I mean, obviously they, they kind of get the, the, the top billing with all that. But, uh, I mean, have, have you kind of noticed uh, an uptick in just recruiting efforts and not only just the guys they're reaching out to, but the connections and relationships they've been able to capitalize on to get these types of players uh, in such a high quantity on campus? Yeah, there's no doubt. I mean, I, I just think when you look at um, the guys they've brought in, um, you know, Mickey Joseph in general has played a part, but Bill Bush, I, I think I look at Kansas mm-hmm. City, I look at Wichita, the state of Kansas. Um, Bill Bush has been a really, really big part um, just of getting these guys here on campus for Nebraska. Yeah, so I guess we'll we'll see how it plays out, but certainly they're wasting very little time uh, trying to upgrade this roster both for this coming season and for the future. Well, and it's just kind of an all-in approach. I yeah. mean, you look at what they've done, it's crazy the amount of people they continue to add. I mean, they're at 13 transfer portal additions. They're at three junior college additions and 15 high school additions. That's 31 players, Robin. 31 players they've added on scholarship to this roster. I mean, that's – Got to be a direct reflection of the staff kind of understanding that this is a pretty critical year and they, they need to get good now. Uh, and so get a lot of uh, instant impact type players that can help you know change the culture on the field and in the locker room, I'm sure. All right, when we come back, um, we're going to talk Big Ten scheduling and other things that have come out this week. Uh, and later on in the show, we're going to hear from Brendan Meehan. Um, he's the commercial director of the 2022 Aer Lingus Classic in Dublin, Ireland. Nebraska was out there, and we're going to talk to Brendan more about the game. And, you know, there's still time to get hooked up for the trip. Uh, that's all on this week's edition of the Husker Online Show. Hi, it's Sean Callahan with Husker Online. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right. A company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones and see what we find. Learn more at uscellular.com slash built for us. You're listening to HuskerOnline.com, your authority on Nebraska athletics. And we're back here on the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Robin Washett, talking schedules and just kind of future plans. And we know the Big Ten athletic directors were in Chicago this week, uh, not only discussing schedules, but multimedia rights for the future. Um, you know, and I think the big topic is divisions, Robin, and will we see the end of divisions in the conference? And, you know, I, I think my feel is yes, that's going to happen um, over time. I, I think that's the direction everyone wants to go. And the Pac-12 just made the first move mm-hmm. in that uh, battle. Uh, they will no longer play divisions. Instead, they will just essentially have the two best teams play in the conference title game because, you know, you look at that league and there was definitely some imbalance. I mean, there had been some years where Oregon, Stanford, and Washington were clearly the best teams, and they were all in the same division where USC was down and UCLA was down and Arizona State was down, 
and the team that came from the South was not a good team in that title game, and uh, they're doing away with that. Uh, they want to help their league get into the playoff, and I think that is the discussion going on right now for the Big Ten. Eliminate divisions but still protect key rivalry games and you know, do what you can to make sure you get your best teams in the championship game. Yeah, and so in that release that they put out, it's interesting. You know, They went back and looked at the teams that did participate in the Pac-12 championship, like I said, from 2011 to 2021, and if they were operating under the new policy that they just announced, five of those games would be different matchups to where other teams would have gotten in as opposed to the teams that that ended up playing so this is a pretty significant shakeup that um, will have long-term effects and um, I think this is the first domino that needed to fall there needed to be a power conference uh, you know power conference that that was willing to do something like this and I think everybody else is just going to follow so um, I think it's the right move. Um, divisions are outdated, especially in the college football playoff era. Um, conferences need to do everything they can to give their teams the best opportunity to play in the college football playoff. And if you are holding teams within your conference from even playing in your conference title game, you are inherently doing yourself a disservice. So this is the right move, um, just given the the landscape of college football now. And again, I think the Pac-12 is the first of uh, – many soon to follow here at the power five level and this will be something to watch you know robin another thought i've heard about the big 10 and they've had a lot of discussion points but i'm throwing this at you here and i want your reaction how about on the final week of the year so you'd have eight locked in conference games then the week nine is a flex conference game and kind of like what they did in the covid year here's the caveat you'd have two semifinals built into the flex weekend whoa and so you'd have the Big Ten Final Four weekend where you'd have your top four teams play one another for the right to then advance to the conference championship game. I know that's a thought out there. Hmm. Um, and, you know, I think about that, and that would actually help balance the scheduling because you'd have your three built-in protected games, then you'd play five other games. Well, then the next year you'd play the other five games. So you would, you would essentially be able to see every team within two years of the three five five model but then that that week nine is a flex week and uh, i know that uh, has been something at least discussed at this point by the big 10 athletic directors to have a flex week nine well that would eliminate the situation where we've seen a lot where just you know for now saying the bit like the west team that doesn't play michigan or ohio state and penn state they they get through with all the others out of the east well that eliminates that where you're at least playing probably two of the top four teams uh, in the conference to, to have that right to play or to win a bit, win a conference championship. So yeah, I, I, I think there's, there's some interest in there. There's um, you know, it makes sense uh, just from a, a fairness standpoint. And then also it uh, from a, just giving a resume material to as many teams as possible. Um, that I think makes a lot of sense and checks a lot of boxes about what, what uh, path could work for the conference going forward. My only thing is this, Robin, um, everybody wants seven, seven guaranteed home games a year. And if you take that final week away of guarantee, um, then, then you lose that home game. Um, so that to me is probably the only sticking or stopping point right there because what happens you know, because if you play eight games, you're going to be four and four. Um, then that means you would never play a non-conference road game, which would never that that doesn't that's just no. not going to happen. No. So, 
um, the money that you would lose on that seventh home game, that's probably the only deal breaker that I see um, right now. Um, but I would imagine, you know, because I just don't know how they can make that right as far as like guaranteeing that you get a home game. Um, unless they say like, yeah, these these teams will get home games no matter what. But then what happens if two of those teams have to play each other? Yeah, exactly. I don't, I don't know if that's that's possible. So that, that could be a wrench in that whole idea. It sounds cool. I mean, imagine this, like Fox, the Big Ten Final Four. Yes. You know, I mean, there's a It'd lot be of – awesome from a fan standpoint. But, again, there's a lot of money. Like, imagine if Nebraska lost out on a home game. Like, or Ohio State loses out yeah, on a home it's game. it's $7, 8000000 million. Yeah, so, I mean, that's that's significant and is a major factor in this discussion. So, I that, that's something to watch, but – um, I do think it would actually help balance the scheduling out as far as like making sure everybody plays everybody. If you because you could go, I mean, you essentially need to have a, a, a total sum of 13. Three, five, five gets you that. Yep. If you play nine conference games, um, you're essentially three and six, three and six. So you, then you create this imbalance of games where you know you're going to play a team more than you want to or the other way around, uh, not enough. Mm-hmm. Um, so, there's a lot there to chew on. Another thing, Robin, that just dropped down the pipe, the NCAA has eliminated the 25-man scholarship cap, the initial counter. So now, um, let's say Nebraska lost 40 guys in a year between graduation and attrition. The old rule restricted you to just 25 replacement players. Mm-hmm. Now you can take 40. Yeah, and like the, you're operating under a, an old model that – I don't think applies to the current situation with roster management, given the COVID year and, and all that entails with that. So uh, I mean, this, the only way to really make it possible for staffs to <laughs> you know, normally construct a roster, I think is by, by eliminating that rule. So it was, it was a good decision to just kind of throw that out the window because again, it's, it's kind of a, a rule that was in place for a different era of, of, football roster management and with the way that things are now with the additional class that will be the case at least until what 2025 i mean i think this is something that had to be done just to make it logistically more feasible to to manage a a roster in today's game all right when we come back uh, i'm going to be joined on the show by brandon uh, brendan meehan the commercial director of the Aer Lingus college football classic in dublin ireland uh, we'll catch up with Brendan. Uh, Nebraska and Northwestern were just recently out there. Uh, we'll hear some thoughts on the trip. Uh, still ways to get out there. If you want to schedule a trip out there, uh, Brendan will tell us all of that next. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show. This is HuskerOnline.com, your authority on Nebraska athletics. And welcome back here to the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan here, and uh, we are about 100 days away, if you can believe that, from Nebraska's trip out to Dublin, Ireland, when they'll take on Northwestern in the 2022 Aer Lingus Classic. And we've been talking about it every week on the show now for several months and wanted to bring in a good friend of mine, someone I've gotten to know very well throughout this process, um, to talk more about the Aer Lingus Classic. Uh, pleased to be joined here on the program again. He's been a, a guest here earlier in the year. Brennan Meehan, the commercial director here of the uh, College Football Classic in Ireland, the Aer Lingus College Football Classic. Brendan, it's a pleasure to have you on the Husker Online Show. I know I'm looking forward to getting out uh, to Ireland again. I know you've been very, very busy uh, just kind of getting the final pieces in place. Sean, always a pleasure and great to be back on your show. Um, we have indeed, it's, it's getting real now, 100 days out. Um, since you were last out here, we've had a, a number of advanced teams 
from Nebraska in Ireland, in Dublin. And we're getting into minute detail now at this stage. So we've had like the team operations, the donor and alumni teams out with the facilities. And obviously we had the cheerleaders on a marketing um, trip recently. So it, it is beginning to get uh, real. The U.S. college football season opener to be played in Dublin only 100 days away. Yeah. And what's, you know, when these people come over from Nebraska, what are the biggest questions they have? Um, because, you know, there's a lot of things that, that go into taking over 100 players out to Dublin and not just for a couple of days, for really an entire week. Yeah. So, like, you know, talking to the people who've been out here, including yourself, um, I think there's an opinion, there's there's a realization now that we're not as far away from Nebraska as people might think. So, you know, you get yourself to somewhere like Chicago or connecting and then we're a direct flight you know, five or six hours straight into Dublin, you land early morning and you've the full day ahead of you. So the ease of access and the ease to get here is something is something certainly that the Huskers um, and the people who've been out here have come to realise. And they've also realised that, you know, you guys will get an unbelievable welcome. Ireland is open in, in terms of what we've gone through in the last two and a half years and the dreaded C word. But, you know, there is no, um, there's nothing closed over here now. There is free access all the bars and nightclubs are open. We've had the Aviva Stadium at full capacity recently for both soccer matches and rugby matches. So we are ready and waiting and exciting to welcome all the Huskers out here to Ireland. Well, and Brendan, we talked about this. It's not too late. I mean, I know um, a lot of people have planned this trip for over two years. When you go back to 2019, when uh, the initial announcement came, uh, people lined up and got their deposits in all the way back then. So we've got people that are looking forward to this. But, you know, now that the world has changed and it's, it's a lot easier to get out there and, and there's less restrictions, um, you know, more people are interested in going. Uh, what would you recommend? What advice would you give? Because uh, there are people maybe looking for that last minute Father's Day gift or birthday present uh, to give to a Husker fan um, and, you know, give us an idea of just kind of the options uh, to, to get booked right now. Yeah, so general tickets are still on sale through the normal ticketing channel from through the, um, the university's ticketing channel. There are hospitality options um, available on collegefootball.ireland, but for your normal game day tickets, they're available now through the university channels. There are still flights, and you're right. All our information and our data shows us that what was previously a you know longer lead-in to make a decision like this is now shorter. So we are still hopeful and optimistic that lots more. We've already had a very, very strong um you know, buy-in from the Huskers and from the Nebraska supporters, but we're ready for more and we're working hard over here. And I can get into detail about with the advanced teams, the work we're doing to make sure that this is literally a once in a lifetime and a phenomenal and fantastic experience for everyone who comes. And what I like about it is you, you can schedule this as long or short as you want. I've talked to some Husker fans that are like, look, we can only go three days. Our kids are in school um, we, we can't be gone that long. And I, I talked to another guy at the grocery store down the street from my office and him and his wife are going down and they've booked the eight day three city trip. And, and so there's the trip really that kind of fits anybody available still in Huskers to Ireland. Yeah, lots of options available, lots of timelines. We actually, funnily enough, we had a representative from Navy for the 23 game who arrived in here on Monday morning, arrived in at about quarter past five and flew back out on Tuesday morning from Washington at around 11 o'clock. So he was in Ireland for about 30 hours, got lots done, saw lots. And, you know, so you can make it as short or as long as as, as you want. And um, we are very optimistic, Sean, that a, a broadcaster and a kickoff time will be um, confirmed in the next kind of week to 10 days. 
It will be an evening kickoff um, in Ireland on that Saturday local time. Um, it's just a question of, you know, confirming that. But, you know, we're, it, it can be as short or as long. And as you say, Ireland is a very small country. And to get across to the other side, to Galway, you know, down to Kerry, you're only taking two, two and a half hours, max three hours from Dublin City. So, um, you know, you're, you Americans are very used to traveling in longer distances. We're much smaller and there's so much you can pack in. You know, uh, one of the other things, too, the, the players and the team will be there, Brendan, for an entire week. A lot of Husker fans will be there. Um, you know, when, when you talk about things to do for Nebraska fans, what type of special things will be set up, whether it's pep rallies, whether it's specific pubs to visit? That's a question I get asked a lot. Like, what is the official Husker hangout or bar? Nebraska fans all want to go to one place. I go, well, I, I can tell you, I've been in these pubs. They're not quite big enough for thousands of Husker fans, but there's going to be probably multiple places for Nebraska fans to frequent that week in Dublin. Yeah, and, and we are confirming that in the next couple of weeks with a couple of our tailgate partners who we hope to announce. We, we have an official tailgate partner that we, we hope to announce in the next coming weeks. But in terms of the hotels, the, the Gibson Hotel and the Samuel Hotel are the official hotels of um, the, the Corn Huskers. We will also have um, specific pubs and bars decked out in the white and red and specific for Nebraska. And the way it'll work, Sean, you know, the tailgating in Ireland will be slightly different to what you guys are used to. The stadium, as you know, is about a mile and a half from downtown Dublin city centre. We will have probably three or four specific Nebraska pubs in a, in a relatively sh uh, close area. And, and the Northwestern pubs will also be in this area and they'll be dedicated um, to um, Nebraska fans. And if there's a volleyball game on the night before or anything like that, we will be showing it. They will be, um, you know, there'll be live Irish music. You know, we will be putting the Irish experience on. We will also then be activating in conjunction with our partners, bars and pubs in around the stadium. So again, uh, about, a, about a mile and a half walk from the city centre. But, you know, I know US fans like to get out to the stadium earlier, you know, three, four hours. So there will be tailgating within bars, kind of outside on bars, out on the streets, Irish style, I suppose, um, very near the stadium. Again, specific pubs allocated to Nebraska. You know, we're developing an app and we'll have other methods of communication, collegefootballireland.com, so that we can communicate with the Corn Huskers in advance of them coming. So if you have an alumni in Orlando and you have an alumni in Dallas and they're talking about coming, they can say, well, I'll meet you in such and such a pub on the Wednesday night and it'll be a Nebraska pub and that's where the Corn Huskers will be. And again, you know, I, I know that the people who are traveling are very eager to experience Ireland. So we're mixing the Irish traditions with the US traditions to give everyone a, a bit of everything and to make, make it as exciting as possible for them. We're talking here with commercial director Brandon Meehan from the 2022 College uh, Erlingus College Football Classic in Dublin, Ireland. Uh, Brandon, another question I get asked a lot. If you're just coming into Dublin for three, five days, six days, do you need to rent a car? If you don't rent a car, how easy is it to get taxis and Ubers? I've had some Husker fans say, well, there's going to be thousands of Husker fans all trying to get an Uber or a cab. Would, I, would it be tough? And I go, well, I was there for a rugby match. And it, it was pretty busy, but we still were able to get uh, transportation after a really crowded rugby match not that long ago. Yeah, no, my, my recommendation would be if you're staying in Dublin, you do not need to rent a car. You, there is transport in from 
um, the airport, there are taxis, there are Ubers, there are buses, which will bring you into the city centre. And everything then, Sean, is very central. So, you know, you look at the likes of your Trinity Colleges, your Epic Museums, whether it's the Kilmainham Jail, the Guinness Storehouse, the Jemson Distillery, you know, all the tourist attractions are all within kind of walking distance with each other. Or if it's kind of, you know, 20 minute walk, there are lots of taxis on the street. And the taxis will be out in force that weekend because they know there'll be so many people in town. The stadium is quite near the city centre, as we talked about earlier. So, you know, I, I think you get yourself into your hotel, you get settled, and then you can kind of walk your way, work your way through taxis around city centre. Certainly, if you're staying in Dublin, there is no need to rent a car. One of the tickets, too, I get questions about where where should I sit in the stadium when I buy my tickets if I haven't bought them yet. And let me tell you, Brendan, that venue is world-class. The view that you get from what would be kind of the 300 level, I think it's the second deck um, where you had us sit for the rugby match. I, t- I tell people that would be the best view I've ever had of a Nebraska football game if I sat on those seats at a Nebraska game. Uh, just speak to the venue, uh, the different level of seats, and kind of your recommendation uh, for people that are maybe trying to still figure out where to sit in the stadium. But I suppose the most most important thing for your audience is that the East Stand will be the Nebraska sideline. So um, anywhere on the East Stand, you would be surrounded by your own. Um, the, the, the third level, as you said, are, are the premium ticketing. Uh, unfortunately, they're more or less gone. And then the 100s are the lower level and the 500s are the upper level. But again, Sean, there is no such thing as a bad st- uh, seat in the Aviva Stadium. As we talked about earlier, it was renovated relatively recent, about 10 years ago. It is the official home of the Irish Rugby Football Union and the Football Association of Ireland. And wherever you are sitting in that stadium, you will get a good view. But the East Stand, that's the Nebraska side. And then another question I get asked a lot, what's the team do out there for the week? I mean, they get in, they're going to leave Monday and get in Tuesday morning. It sounds like they'll take Tuesday off to kind of recover. Uh, but what's the team schedule from what you know in Dublin Wednesday to Saturday? Yeah, so we had the operations guys out recently and we went through it all with them in, in detail. And there's still some things they want to finalize, but they do want to see a bit of Ireland. They want to a bit of Dublin and they want to experience a bit of Ireland. So there's talk of them having potentially two events outside of football in advance of the game. They would, might um, visit Kilmainham Jail, which is a very historic um, jail in Ireland and somewhere that's very close to our history. And they will take in one other event, whether that's a, a Trinity College or an Epic Museum or something along those lines. Um, you know, there will be a pep rally on the Friday evening, which we would have gone through the locations, which the team, when they were out here, the um, Nebraska pep rally will be after the Northwestern one. You're probably looking at somewhere in around 5, 5.30 local time on the Friday evening. Um, you know, but they, they do want to experience a small bit of Dublin while also remembering they have a big game on the Saturday evening. And that pep rally, is it still going to be in the square at Trinity College? Is that the plan right now? We're looking in conjunction with Dublin City Council, who are partners of ours, and also with the, with the, with the, gu- with the guards over in, in Dublin. We're looking at a number of locations. But the one thing we can guarantee you, again, it'll be smack bang in the city centre. It'll be in walking distance of the hotels and of the main thoroughfare. Well, Brendan, I really appreciate uh, the chance to catch up. I know I'm looking forward to getting out there with our entire team uh, there'll be four of us traveling, and uh, our te- television partners, Channel 7, will take three out there. So uh, we'll have a big group on the ground. Uh, I'm looking forward to bringing coverage to Nebraska fans that week in Dublin. Yeah, we can't wait to have you, Sean. You know, as I said, the guys are out here recently. We're into detail now in terms of 
clocks, water towels, staff, facility layouts, benches, equipment, bands, mark, you know, parking, hospitality, everything like that. So it's getting real. It's getting really real now. And we can't wait to welcome the Cornhuskers to Dublin, Ireland. Well, thanks again here to Brendan for joining us here uh, via Dublin, Ireland. Much more to come. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show. You're listening to HuskerOnline.com, your authority on Nebraska athletics. And we're back here on the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Robin Washett. Thanks again to Brandon Meehan, commercial director of the Aer Lingus Classic, for joining me here in our previous segment from Dublin, Ireland. But uh, let's welcome in Abby Barmore here from HuskerOnline.com as it's time now to take your questions in the mailbag. And we had a pretty good mailbag this week. Abby, where are you going to start us off with? Where do you see Nebraska's newest commit, Kane Williams, fitting in on defense, and could he play some nickel? Yeah, I think he can play anywhere, and I think that's what attracted Nebraska to Kane Williams, um, just his versatility, his ability to kind of play at a lot of different positions. Yeah, I think he even said that in his interview with with Brian, was that um, that was one of the things the staff really liked about him was his versatility. With that size, you know, he can play in the box. He can be a, a stout run defender, and then he has the athleticism to keep up in coverage. So uh, again, another one of those versatile pieces that the staff is always looking for that um, you know was going to really increase his opportunity to see the field quite a bit. Which player that has transferred out of Nebraska over the last couple of seasons has surprised you the most? Um, gosh, I mean, there's a lot of guys that have left. I mean, I wouldn't say Wondell Robinson was a surprise what, yeah. what, what he accomplished um, because I, I thought he was arguably the best recruit of the Scott Frost era uh, when you break down guys that have left the program over the last five years. I mean, I'd say Noah Vedral, kind of a surprise um, to go in and be now what will be a three-year starter at Rutgers for Greg Schiano. I mean, I think it just tells you he was pretty good. And in 2019, he maybe could have gotten Nebraska to a bowl game when they chose to play Adrian Martinez when he was hurt and he couldn't throw the ball or really run effectively uh, when they were at Purdue and they lost that game and it cost them a bowl trip. I mean, just recently, uh, Casey Rogers is in that conversation for me just because of the role that he had set up for him for this season, um, the, the lack of depth they had at that position. Like, it was all there for him to, to have a really big part on that defense and for him to leave when he did. Um, definitely caught me by surprise. I know probably a lot of people on staff as well. So I throw him in the equation. Um, and then knowing what we knew about J.D. Spielman, just kind of with all the, the off-the-field stuff, it, it's not that big of a surprise, but – you're talking about one of the most prolific wide receivers in school history suddenly leaving uh, when he was still going to be the number one and, and probably break every record in school history when before he was done. For, for him to leave still is a bit surprising for me. Can you compare Cade McIntyre to Gage Stainer and Jake Applegate in terms of athleticism and quality of prospect, and do you see Nebraska offering him? Well, I think when you start to break it down, um, there's one thing Cade McIntyre has that none of those guys had before him. He had an Iowa offer, and I do think when Iowa offers here, it's a well-thought-out offer. Iowa did not offer Seth Malcolm. Iowa did not offer Gage Stanger. Um, now, Gage Stanger was a K-State guy. Um, Seth Malcolm was being recruited by Iowa State and K-State at that time, um, but they're all a little bit different, um, and I'll put Jake Applegate in that discussion, too. Um, you know, he, he was kind of a guy that nobody had seen. Then he got his offer from Nebraska and committed fairly quickly um, a year ago at this time. Um, but I think bottom line, Cade McIntyre is a good player. And that Iowa offer really has changed a lot of things. 
it's put Nebraska in a position where they're going to have to make a decision on what they want to do and, you know, do they want to offer him? And now they're in a position like, man, if they offer him, will he take the offer? Or is he going to just say, you know what, I feel kind of offended a la Harrison Phillips and, you know, that you offered me after other teams offered only because they did and I'm going to go to Iowa. So that one is going to be interesting. I know we have our affiliate listeners in Fremont listening right now too, and I'm sure that's a big topic out there in Fremont. Robin, do you have any updates on Parker Friedrichsen? Did I say that right? You did. Nice. Yeah. The 2023 four-star shooting guard from Bixby, Oklahoma, who has several ties to the state with his family connections here. Um, obviously, Nebraska recruited him heavily the first time around. He verbally committed to Oklahoma State, um, decided to back out of that commitment after a couple months and is back on the market. And within minutes of him pressing send on the tweet announcing his, discommit- or his decommitment, Nebraska's entire staff was on the phone with him. In fact, I think within the first 15 minutes, he was on a three-way FaceTime call with, uh, I guess, four-way with Nate Lenzer, Adam Howard, the two assistants, and then Fred Hoiberg. So uh, Nebraska is doing all they can to make sure they don't let him get away a second time and uh, have made him a clear priority. Now, the thing with him, though, is uh, the reason he decommitted from Oklahoma State is because he felt like he rushed his decision. So he is not going to rush into anything the second time around. He technically has six official visits left because he has one remaining in the junior year cycle. And then when that flips to the ju- the senior year cycle, he's got five more. So he's at least going to take five more official visits. Nebraska will be one of them. Um, he was just here in the fall for an official visit. He'll be back this fall for a second official. Uh, he'll probably come again for an unofficial visit too. So for me, this is kind of one of those deals where as long as Nebraska doesn't screw it up and they sh- at least – have some success um you know this offseason and give him reason to commit they are probably the front runners in this recruitment taking your questions in the mailbag here with husker online's abby barmore abby what do you have next can you see a situation where nebraska football regularly takes half of its new players from the portal i don't know about half but i i, I tend to think you might be at like a 65 35 blend maybe 60 40 um, but I still think you're going to want to always anchor down at least 15 high school recruits, um, and that's that's a given. And to me, you lean local for those guys because those are the guys that have more investment to Nebraska. They care about Nebraska. Their families can get here easier, and they have some just knowledge of the place. So I think that is the direction you want to always try to go. You still want to get the, region, the national guys from the power states. I, I get that. Um, but I think in the portal world that we live in, the Miami guy or the Atlanta guy or the L.A. guy that comes to Nebraska, they're going to be more apt to leave um, quickly because they don't have as much investment in a place like Nebraska. That's why getting them the second time around is almost better because, you know, they've kind of been through the, the process a little bit. And if they're going to come to Nebraska, they're going to have a clear idea of what they're looking for and um, aren't going to be picking a school based off the wrong thing. So uh, somebody brought up an interesting point. I don't know if it was last week or the week before about, you know, if there's like a strategy that we could see where you get your skill position players from the portal for the most part. And then like your linemen are local are local where like the linemen, the developmental guys that end up playing when they're third, fourth year players. And then your instant impact guys are from the portal who are those out of state guys that, um, you know, are, are not here for as long, but are ready to play right away. And let's face it. How many teams can get their linemen that are like ready made very few. 
Like, you've got to develop linemen, period. You mm-hmm. can't just say, all right, we're going to take high school guys and play them right away. No, you need to develop kids in your program three, four years to really get the results. I mean, yeah, Alabama and Georgia and Ohio State, those places can get away with it, but there's very few places. Even Iowa and Wisconsin, very few young linemen play in those programs. They build those guys up over time. Yeah, so, I mean, I, I actually thought it was a pretty wise strategy. I don't know if you can just, like, make it that black and white, but I think – you know, largely you can get a lot of your skill from the portal and then develop your line. But again, you have to be able to develop, which Nebraska has been lacking in recent years. All right. We got time, Abby, for probably one more. All right. So it's been getting hot here in Lincoln. So it's prime ice cream season. (laughs) What is your favorite ice cream flavor? Oh boy. Cookies and cream. And let me tell you, uh, and I'm not a paid advertiser, but (laughs) 402 creamery, uh, pretty hard to beat. Yeah, so I'm an Ivana Cone guy. Um, they have this. So what I do, they, I do a two scoop on the, the sugar cone where it's their cinnamon and then like their chocolate. Man, like that chocolate <laughs> cinnamon is is fantastic. So I'll I will go with that. But you know, it's ice cream's like pizza. You know, it's like one of those things that it's usually always good. Ivana Cone, that's a cash only joint too. It is, but. You know the cash only joints are legit. Yeah, I mean, yeah, they don't mess around. They don't. They don't mess around with processing fees. One time I didn't have cash, and they let me come back and pay them later. So good people running that place. Good, that's a that's a good note. Another random nugget I learned about ice cream in Lincoln: the Dairy Queen on South Street. Yeah, they like they don't serve hot food there, and they like use like evidently the old school like nineteen sixties Dairy Queen machines. Mm. So you get a better cone from that Dairy Queen. I'm told. Good to know. So random, Abby. How about you? What's your favorite? I love um, mint chocolate chip. Ooh. That's my favorite. Colby Ridge. There you we go. Used to get that a ton. Yep. When I was Colby a kid. Ridge. Boy, that combination of Colby Ridge and Lamar's—that's a dangerous combination. <laughs> oh, now. Yeah. When you go into that one on Forty Eighth and Lincoln, yep. I mean, you can get yep. a lot of trouble in that place. Absolutely. There's there's a lot of snacking to be. Not done much lunch there. served there. There's <laughs> a lot of dessert. No need. All right. When we come back, we'll close the show with some basketball discussion with Robin Washett. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show. This is HuskerOnline.com, your authority on Nebraska athletics. Final segment here of the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Robin Washett, closing up here with some Nebraska basketball talk and other things. And Robin, um, busy time for Nebraska, uh, but they've added yet another transfer portal player. Kind of a different type of guy than what they've added before. Tell us about the latest addition here to the Nebraska basketball team. Well, his name is Emmanuel Bandemel, and probably not the perfect pronunciation on that. Where's he from? He's from Quebec. So put a little French-Canadian twist on that, and I'm sure you got it right. I'm sure Kent Pavelka will have it mastered here in a, in a couple weeks. But, yeah, he's a senior guard transfer from SMU who started 68 games for the Mustangs over the last three years um, and started every game last season on a 26-win team. So um, a lot of experience and uh, a lot of success under his belt. Uh, you look at his numbers offensively, you know, they're they're good. Uh, you know, almost 11 points per game, almost four rebounds, two assists. Um, you know, he only shot – but here's what's really weird. He only shot 35% from the field, which is really bad. But he shot 36% from three-point range. So, And I think the majority of his shots were from three. So he's definitely a shooter who will take it to the rim when necessary, but um, spends most of his time on the perimeter. But 
his real impact, uh, from, from what I've been able to gather, is on the other end of the floor. Uh, defense is where he kind of hangs his hat. He uh, was always uh, guarding the other team's best player and kind of established himself as one of the better defensive players, not only on their team, but but in their league. And, um, you know, I think he uh, registered a really high defensive uh, efficiency rating, I think right around 73% um, as far as just just. De- defensive rating on on synergy so you know there's there's a lot to like there but here's a crazy stat about him too that i was able to look up um you know he uh is able to defend at a really high level and he's really aggressive on the ball but he doesn't foul Uh, i looked it up and um, he was only called for four more fouls 10 times in 80 career games and he only fouled out once and that was in an overtime game last season so uh, he's a high effort, high energy type type of player who prides himself on defense, can give you a little bit of something on offense. Uh, but he's also a, a graduate. He's a really smart kid uh, and kind of isn't afraid to step up and be a vocal leader. Uh, I don't think I think he came in. He's going to come in here uh, ready to take charge of the team uh, as one of those vocal guys. And um, you know, you look at some of the last few rosters Nebraska's had. There haven't been a lot of guys that could be that type of player or were unwilling to be that type of player. So now you got Sam Greasel who's coming in talking about wanting to change the culture of Nebraska basketball. You got Juwan Gary who's, you know, saying I'm going to do whatever it takes and just play with, you know, max effort on every minute I'm out there. Now you got Emmanuel Bandamel who is that same type of player who, um, you know, is uh, not, not, not going to be afraid to call people out when necessary. So you look at just kind of what they've been able to bring in through the transfer portal and then also uh, with the the previous um, signees in the 2022 class, it's a different type of player, uh, you know, with uh, what they've been getting in previous classes. They're getting guys that I think are based more on fit than they are on, uh, you know, previous stats or recruiting profile or any of those types of things. So while these types of guys might not jump out on paper, Uh, I think that what is interesting is how they all kind of fit together with what they already had on the roster and and are a different type of player than what we're used to Fred Hoiberg staff recruiting. All right, break it down. Give me the early mid-May Robin Washett starting five for Nebraska if you had to project today and maybe like the first guy off the bench. Yeah, so there's a lot of variables here that we'll we'll figure out here uh, over the next few months, but as of today – um, you, you look at the transfers, they all came here to play. I would have put all three of those in the starting lineup right now. So I'll go Sam Griesel at, at point guard, um, Emmanuel Bandamel at two, uh, CJ Wilcher as that, that other wing, um, and then Juwan Gary at the four and Derek Walker at the five. And so depending on who they play will be those next guys off the bench. Obviously you've got Wilhelm Breidenbach, you got Blaze Kada, you, you know, you're bringing in, um, you know, a couple other freshmen, um, and so, you know, Casey Tamanaga, those types of guys that played minutes last year that we just got to figure out where they fit in with all these new additions. But as far as your starting five, that would be my guest, best guest right now, but obviously a lot can change. And I know football guys got back this week on Friday and they'll be really beginning the workouts Monday, mm-hmm. uh, the 22nd. Um, what is the basketball return to campus plan? They're getting here the first week of June for so the they, start of the five weeks. The five week, yeah, yeah. Basketball brings them in. I think June fifth is going to be like the rival date for a lot of guys. So that will be then. Then they then they kind of I mean they really practice essentially. At that yeah, point. so they can do they can't do full scale team 
deals. They can do small group workouts. They can work with the strength and conditioning. They can get on the nutrition program, all that sort of stuff. You can do like one-on-one work with the coaching staff, but they can't just be out there all together. Including the head coach? Yes. Well, I think so. So it's basically one of those loosely worded rules where, you know, as long as you're not doing full on team practices, you're okay. So they'll do, you know, three to four guys at a time out there um, and just have cycling throughout the day. It's going to be a totally different summer without Doc Sadler around, um, without Matt Aldamase, just the the feel of the program and the day to day and the coaches. Uh, Armand Gates is back, right? Yeah. So, so. I mean, so for the first time under Fred, they have three on-court assistants where they don't have a guy that's just out there recruiting. They have a guy that's a full-time defensive minded coach. And so that, that's going to be the one to follow is, um, you know, we saw what Nate Lenzer was able to do last year. Um, obviously Armand Gates has been here, uh, from the get go, but now you add in Adam Howard, who, you know, like I said, is going to bring in some new defensive philosophies and, you pair those with the types of guys they brought in. You know, Juwan Gary, defensive-minded type guy. You know, Emmanuel Bandemelt, defensive-minded type guy. Uh, Sam Greasel, big physical point guard at 6'6", play good defense on the perimeter. You got to wonder if th- there's a bit of a shift going on from the high-octane, offensive-driven scheme that Fred wanted to do when he first got here to what they're maybe kind of evolving into. And, um Maybe that's an adaptation to the Big Ten where they learn that you you can't play this Big 12 style of basketball in this league and expect to be competitive. So they've added more post-depth and size than they've ever had under Fred. Uh, And they've got more defensive-minded players than they've all had under Fred. So it'd be very interesting to see how that all comes together over the next few months and just how different Nebraska looks from the past three years. All right, well, plenty to follow not only with basketball, but that's going to be a big recruiting weekend. Marcus Washington, the Texas receiver, is going to be here. Dylan Edwards, the top player, arguably in Kansas. Um, and then Caden uh, Green, maybe the top player in Missouri, along with Jaden Doss. So make sure you're on HuskerOnline.com. We'll keep you up to date all weekend. Thanks again for joining us this week on Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics.